1: And as if on cue, my beagles start barking at the top of their lungs just as mix shots get started. You might be able to hear them in the background as we go along here because they're excited that it's 1.30 on a Thursday afternoon and time for another edition of mix Shots as we get you ready for the Cowboys and the Niners. My dogs are old, Everson and uh, Mickey, but they're not old enough to mer- to remember the good old days of this rivalry. But maybe a new rivalry can get started on Sunday at noon at AT and T Stadium. How you guys hey, doing?
2: Don't even don't even bring up old San Francisco <laughs> Cowboy games. I have been getting phone calls. Hey, Everson, can we talk to you about the Cowboys, San Francisco? Rivalry? No, I know what you want to talk about. You don't want to talk about the rivalry. As soon as I say one word and it starts with a C, hey, let's talk about that. Okay, so this is why you really called me, right? All right, listen. You know, I'm not even returning their call. You guys want to talk about it? I'm all in because I respect you guys. These guys, I don't know. They didn't call me when the Cowboys played Buffalo. You know what I mean? I beat I beat uh-huh. Buffalo in the Super Bowl. I got no call then. You know, I didn't get a call when the Giants and Buffalo uh, the Giants and Buffalo played this year. Uh if they played even last year. Come on. You know, don't 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 try to fool an old man like me. It won't happen. It won't. So, did,
1: so did let me ask
0: You play me. the Niners in the Ah, oh, here he comes, Bill. <laughs> no, I, I, I want to know. So the rivalry, was there more than one game against San Francisco that stood out there in that time? Well, uh, eventually that game did, but
2: of course, uh, what was that, Brody? And uh, was it Starbucks? Oh, back in the 70s. They going back a decade earlier. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah it was the 70s. And it was an amazing game. It, it, the Cowboys propelled themselves. I think they went Super Bowl that year. Big
0: win no. in the Bay. Uh, that, but that, like you said, that was. That wasn't a rivalry back, back then, prior. right? The Cowboys were just kind of arriving. Right, well, that's when right. it. And it, it basically. That's that that kind of now. when it started. It basically cost Dick Nolan his job. Because he was the head coach of the 49ers yep. back there in the early 70s.
1: Sure was. Wow. So wow. here we are. Here we are. Now here we are. And Mike Nolan, the former head coach of the 49ers, uh, and goes up against the Niners here on Sunday. But let's wow. just
2: be real now. It became a rivalry uh, after the catch game and, and, of course, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh you know Yeah great, in the uh, 90s but in the, in the 80s between.
0: there was in the there 90s, wasn't yeah. really a rivalry no. other no. than one game. You know. No. But that's yeah. the
2: only way that he could veil his true <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. his true purpose for that phone
1: call, okay? That's funny. That's it. <laughs> and I and I didn't even mean to bring it up ever since I was kind of thinking of the '90s rivalry when I was talking about Bo and Romo here, and then I stepped in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you stepped in it. But that's cool. I, I, I like talking about it because you know we always I always tell people, if it wasn't for for myself uh, getting so tired of being dumped on about that game, I had to keep reminding people. I had to remind people that I had the three turnovers in that game and, and probably could have gotten MVP if we don't lose the ball game. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, you know, uh, uh, what was uh, uh, Boomer, Boomer, right? Boomer, uh, what's Boomer's name? Chris Chris Berman? Chris yeah. Berman. Chris Berman at that time was, a, I guess, a local Bay Area yeah. Yeah. reporter. Bay Area guy. Yeah. And we all know that ESPN had just started up around, three to four years prior to that, because I remember I was in college when it first started, I'm like, man, this is great. And (laughs) so he happened to be a 49ers fan, and he was on the field for that game, and he was just as excited uh, as he was a player. So all on ESPN, of course he becomes part of ESPN, and all oh my God, anytime he got a chance, he bring it up, oh my God, Joe, Dwight, you guys are amazing. You know, and I always took offense because here was my thought process. You've got a rookie from Grambling State University who was not drafted. You've got a, a two great, to me, great story to organizations. And I thought the narrative would be, you know, Mr., Mr. Naive, I thought the narrative would be, man, they were coming at this rookie and the rookie stood up. But when it was all said and done, it was a great battle. And 49ers came out. My name was never mentioned except for in regards to that picture in the end zone. And I took offense to that. I said, I "Had a great game." Chris Berman doesn't want to say anything about it because he was so on the 49ers' jock. Oh my God, it was ridiculous. So, so let me, I, let, I me a, a let me let me tell you of circumstances.
0: I was going to say, let me tell you a, a little story about how big a fan Chris Berman was of the 49ers. When I was covering the Super Bowl uh, in Miami when they beat, was Cincinnati, right? 88, maybe? 87? Yes, what was it? I was it? there. 80, 88, I, I there. think, right? Yes, sir. And so yeah.
2: the auxiliary I saw press that last box.
0: Drive by Joe Montana. Right. The auxiliary press box was basically in the stands. That's where my seat was. And he and his ESPN—Chris Berman and his ESPN colleagues were about, uh, oh, about three or four rows behind me and off to the other section, right? He was sitting in the stands outward—you know, he's covering the game, right? Outwardly cheering for the 49ers. And I was like, Seriously? And 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 and, yeah. and it goes back to what I said the other day. You you call yourself a journalist, and you're out here cheering yeah. for the 49ers? So that's how big a homer yeah. he was.
2: Oh, he was big time homer. I have never really talked to him after that because if I would have, I would have, you know, uh, articulately. <laughs> would
0: you have given him the business? Articulately,
2: <laughs> I would have given him the business articulately, and uh, so. Like I said, we've never talked. I have a feeling he wasn't necessarily a Cowboy fan also until, of course, Jerry comes along and you've got, you know, these uh, gregarious uh, 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 personalities with with Dion and and Mike and those guys. I don't I don't think he before that in in the 80s and 70s. I doubt he was a Cowboy fan at all because he took way too much joy in that win and he lost all of his journalistic uh, awareness you know, because like I said, as far as I was concerned, I don't know anyone that had three turnovers, not not many, that had actually three turnovers defensively in a championship game. And that has never been mentioned. And I think that, you know, I was a victim of uh, a, a perfect strike.
0: Uh, Imperfect storm, so to speak. So
1: that's okay, why Mickey, people me, listen. Let me, let me, that's let,
0: why people listen to mix shots. You kind of get that perspective that no one else gets. Gotta get it
1: in, baby. No, gotta right. get it in. Yeah. That's and my Mickey, chance. Yeah, I'm, yes? I'm going to give you a little more perspective on this rivalry that Everson is very familiar with. Now, you didn't. When did you get to the Metroplex? When did you get to Dallas? Who me, Mickey? Middle of the '80s, yeah, Mickey. Middle of the '84 season. Middle of the '80s, and so. So you remember the Cowboys playing the Niners uh, back in the early 70s when the Cowboys started first going to Super Bowls. But Everson and I, being the same age, we remember it intimately growing up in Dallas. And uh, it was actually in 19—the Cowboys played the Niners three straight years in the playoffs— I mean, just like they did in the '90s when they they had the conference championship yep. matchups against the Niners, they did it in the '70s too. And in 1970, which was the first year the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl and lost to Baltimore, they beat San Francisco out in San Francisco in the conference Baltimore championship Colts, game, 14 by the way. to three. Baltimore yep. Colts. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> the next year, the Cowboys played uh, the Niners at, at Texas Stadium in 1971 and beat them 14 to three. And on, on their way to winning the Super Bowl over the Dolphins, okay? And then the, the game that Everson is alluding to uh, was December 23rd, 1972, when Roger Staubach and the Cowboys trailed the Niners 28-16 to 16 with two minutes left in the game. And uh, Staubach throws a touchdown pass to make it 28-23, and then Tony Fritsch with a behind-the-leg onside kick <laughs> that was recovered by the Cowboys <laughs> behind the back or whatever you, however you want to call it, onside <laughs> kick, touchdown pass to win it. That sent Larry Cole uh, the classic uh, rolling footage, around, rolling around on the, the sideline. That, that's exactly right. Cowboys won that game 30 to 28. And uh, they—that was the first round of the playoffs. They actually lost to the conference championship game that year. Um, so, and, and by the that, way, what, the other was that uh, was that
2: Candlestick Park was that still in Candlestick?
0: I bet. I bet that, the that first time was Keysar Stadium. Was Keysar?
1: Yeah, the first one was Keysar, I believe. I have to look okay. it up. And then they moved into Candlestick after that. And here's, the, here's I, the thing. I, I,
2: and they had AstroTurf, uh, from what I recall, because. Uh, uh, Bubba Cole was rolling around on AstroTurf, if yep. I'm not there mistaken.
1: You, that's, there you go. That's right. All yep. right. So uh, the thing that I remember about the 30-28 to 28 win over San Francisco more than anything, and I'll even say here 50, oh, nearly 50 years later, 48 years later, it might be my favorite day of watching football ever. I remember uh, growing up in Irving, it was a cold a bitterly cold day, two days before Christmas. And the first game of the day, the Oakland Raiders played the Pittsburgh Steelers. And basically on the final play of the day of the game, ball batted up in the air. Franco Harris grabs it. It was the immaculate reception as the yes. Steelers beat the Raiders. That was the first game of the doubleheader. Second game of the doubleheader was the Cowboys against the Niners. And you had that scenario in the last two minutes where the Cowboys came back to win. You don't get much better than that watching football. Uh, I tell all you what now, let's, let's
2: let's let's jump to 1982, uh, right before our game. If I recall, that was when uh, Kellen Winslow. Oh wow! Was that, when, was that the time that Kellen Winslow felt was dehydrated, and did, they had to carry uh, him off the field Cal- after, after he the,
0: rescued? Yeah, them?
1: was 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 that the same weekend? I've got to look, I'll be looking it up here but I remember Fouts, I remember
0: uh, watching that game on TV I remember the Immaculate reception watching it on TV but I do not remember see I would have been on 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 uh, Christmas break from college that year in seventy two yeah uh, and I remember watching the game and I was in our in our little uh uh, uh, I guess it was the TV room, whatever you want to call it. And I'm watching it on TV. My mother's cooking, and I started screaming, hey, you got to come and see this. You're not going <laughs> to believe it, the immaculate reception. Uh, I remember that, and I'm sure I watched That's the funny. next game, but I have no recollection of watching it on TV. That's so well. funny you mentioned that about your mom cooking
2: uh, and in regards to, to, to Bill of course, my, my number one football afternoon was December 28th, 1975, the Hail Mary. And of course, yeah. that, was my sixth, that was my 16th birthday. And oh, wow. so, yeah, yeah. So here comes uh, the Purple People Leaders, and they had been handing it to us I don't know how many times before that game. We could not beat the Vikings because of Carl Eller, Allen Page, Marshall. They were just an amazing squad. Uh, uh, Chuck Foreman and those guys and the and when we finally beat them on my birthday I go running. I was a I was the only boy only only boy in the house the youngest so I'm the only one watching football in the house and I'm, I'm running around the house trying to find someone to celebrate <laughs> with and my mom <laughs> my mom is in there making my birthday cake and she's got the thing and I go mom you won't believe it. The Cowboys just beat the Vikings. And I'm running on and on. And she goes, that's good, baby. And that was it. She just <laughs> kept on making my cake. And it was so anticlimactic for me because this is my birthday. I had no one to share that with. and So still, it was one of the, that was my greatest afternoon of football. We finally beat the Purple People Eaters in 1975, December 28th.
1: That's right. And okay, I've looked up now, January 10th, 1982, the day that lives in infamy for Everson Walls. <laughs> and, uh, infamy. I and, like infamy. And sure, I like that, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the inf- in fact, the early game that day was Cincinnati against San Diego. Um, the 27, It was a 27-7 final score. The Bengals won the game but that, was, so that, would that be wasn't the game the you're one, talking about. We that wasn't
2: the, the game that was a classic then, because the one that was a classic, if I'm not mistaken, uh, San Winslow Diego won the game. Them in two, yeah, they okay. won that game, and 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 that's why it was such a, a so courageous was, effort. was this the was
1: uh, so which was the, the incredibly cold game in, in in wasn't it Cincinnati and San Diego? That was, that was the one that was the
2: same weekend as the catch game.
1: Okay, so that would this yeah. would have been the, the game that, uh, that was, I don't remember, and I'm trying to see on Pro Football Reference, they don't have the conditions, uh, the weather conditions. You know what day. happened? Here's what? what
2: happened, Bill. Here's what happened.
1: The week prior
2: to that, the Chargers won that game in such a uh, dramatic fashion. The week prior to that, because they go from Miami what he's dehydrated and everyone is just just drained, and then they go directly to the coldest game yeah. in, in NFL history. So that was the the, the, the the comparison there. You you go from from de- being depleted to what the, uh, seven days later you're playing in minus 58-degree weather. So that was yeah, that right. was a dichotomy okay. that uh, the Chargers had to deal with, and that's how I remember that game.
1: And, 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 uh, and I found that the weather conditions, the official weather conditions that day in Cincinnati, it was minus 9 degrees, and the wind was at 24 miles an hour, a wind chill of minus 32. 32. And so that was, the, that was the first game of the doubleheader on the, uh, the day of the catch. Yeah. Um, in January tenth, nineteen eighty two. And by the way, that yeah, would that be That would not be That, would that be. may be my worst day of watching <laughs> football. Yeah,
2: yeah me lost. too. Me too, Bill. <laughs> yeah.
0: That would be that would be Kellen Winslow, by the way, from the University of Missouri, by the way. Just throw I th- th- throw uh, that in. oh interesting.
2: Yeah, don't just don't throw in junior. How about that? Well, I didn't yeah, say anything about right. that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you did. I raised him right. Couldn't I couldn't have had nothing to,
0: to do
1: with Junior. <laughs> that's <laughs> All a good right. <laughs> We're gonna get a practice report from yes. Mickey. Mickey, did you watch practice? I okay, did. Okay, we're gonna get that. Let's get that when we come back here on mix shots in just a moment. Back, back to Mick back. shots. You can now support your beloved Cowboys from anywhere. Open up AT&T's Fan Zone feature inside the Cowboys app and record your personal cheer and referee signals. You'll receive a personalized <coughs> mosaic and may show up on the AT&T Live FX video board during the game. As we welcome you back here to... Mick Schott says, we had some encouraging word from uh, Mike McCarthy as far as the condition of those cornerbacks uh, uh, at uh, this morning's press conference, but I wonder what was going on at practice today. Everson, I wonder if there's anybody who might be able to fill us in on what was seen at practice today. Someone had a bird's eye view, (laughs) as a matter of fact. Oh, well, maybe, maybe Mickey knows.
0: And... I would have liked to say the Cowboys have a secondary problem, but it's not a secondary problem. It's a primary problem. (laughs) Because Very clever. uh, You you must be a journalist. How about that, huh? Wordsmith. So the good news is is that uh, Trayvon Diggs, Chitube Owuziae, uh, did participate uh, in practice. We'll see uh, how just how much they did. Uh, uh, Anthony Brown, uh, th- and these guys were all limited yesterday, uh, did practice. Uh, so did uh, Donovan Wilson. We'll see if he did enough uh, when the practice report comes out. But uh, Xavier Woods... Uh, was on the resistance cords, and he didn't look like he was going to practice. So uh, they really need Donovan Wilson to be ready to go because Thompson would be a backup. And if if Wilson can't go, uh, I think the next guy up would be Reggie Robinson and he hadn't played a down of football yet other than special teams in the National Football League. They also didn't have Deontay Ow. Burton out. He was out with a shoulder yesterday and today. Rashard Robinson, a, 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 who started last week at corner, uh, with a knee, he didn't practice. And remember, Savion Smith was has been trying to practice through with a cast on his hand, uh, that he broke a bone on in the game and came back and played. So uh, yeah, that's secondary. They're gonna need these guys like Diggs and Wilson and Chittabe uh, to be able to come in and play in this game. otherwise, uh, I don't know who else they would put it, safety. Uh, the the Parker guy that the safety, he he's still on injured reserve. So, yeah, it's a little problematic back there. So they better hope Donovan Wilson's ready
1: to go. Okay, Everson, we talked about the the COVID effect on injuries yesterday and stuff. For the life of me, though, I cannot remember back in your day this many injuries amongst uh, – let's just take the the cornerback position – uh, I, I just can't remember uh, teams going through this many cornerbacks in a season. What's what? What do you think's going on? I don't know, but you you, just, you kind of take. We took it for
2: granted back in the day. I can't remember one game Dennis Thurman was hurt. Uh, I, I don't recall ever. I think I, I finally missed uh, some plays in the second half of a Minnesota game back in nineteen. 19- 86 or seven, I think I had to sit out the second half with a growing problem. Other than that, our secondary was always intact. Michael Downs hurt his thigh first game of his career against, at that time, the Washington Redskins. Uh, he was out for one game, and, but otherwise, oh, man, this is, this is unusual. Charlie Waters, if you recall, uh, missed an entire year, and he was in the booth uh after uh, yeah. just totally messing up his knee and he was never the same after that. He came back in 81 and participated and, and was my godsend and ended up uh, uh retiring after that. Um you know I was talking to, uh, to Spags about this uh yesterday and Spags got a little uh, aggressive but um <laughs> <laughs> I talked I talked talk to my son about it. And I, I still think that the whole thing is valid. I don't, I'm not all about a bunch of training camps and a, a bunch of off-season work and all of that. But I am about fine-tuning. And you have to have a timing or instinct in your head, which is what off-season is for. Uh, my son's a chef, and we were laughing about it. He was saying, you know, if I had been in the kitchen for a while and I'm throwing around all these knives... You know, you you, got to be careful if it's your first day back in and you hadn't been doing it for a while. So that could lead to injuries either to yourself or to your fellow chef mate. So those kind of things are pretty much universal. They just haven't had the uh, concerted concentration on your technique, on your body itself. You can lift weights all you want. You can run sprints all you want but you have to get into football mode before you start playing football. And it takes a little bit more than just a meager off season that we had, of course, because
0: of the pandemic. And by the way, there's one other injury that probably should be noted. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott did not practice yesterday because of the bruise on his calf. He was on the resistance cords today, and Mike McCarthy said if he did anything, it would be working on the side on his uh, on his rehab. So that'll be two days in a row that uh, Zeke didn't practice. They don't really practice on uh, Friday; it's more of a walkthrough. So. He may not do anything all week, and then they'll get to game time and see if he's able to go. And if he's not able to go, then everybody's going to get their wish, and they're going to see Tony Pollard carry the ball 20 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait for this. If
2: this does happen, Spags, uh, I-, I wouldn't be looking forward to it. Uh, it's tough when you're you know, coming in and, and playing the entire game.
1: Uh, Exactly. It's
2: always good to relieve some. It's always good to relieve someone who has set a particular tone for the game and you came in, come in as a change of pace. Now they're going to be prepared for you for the entire game and most likely will make adjustments before that game is over from beginning to end. So, yeah, let's I, 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 I don't look forward to it. I'm hoping that Zeke will come through as he always does. I hope he runs well, as he has been doing all year long, I might add. Uh, I think I I want him to play because I want him to continue to get his confidence and instincts back. Because it's clear that uh, Zeke is not too comfortable running behind the makeshift line that he's dealing with. And he's kind of feeling the pressure a little bit.
0: Yeah, and the right, way and I the pointed it out on, on, on that is okay, uh, let me see Pollard get the dirty yards. Like we see the flashy yards to the outside when there's a hole there. What about when there's no hole? Is he running up the middle and pushing the pile, and, and instead of losing a yard, he's going to get three or four? Uh, that part we haven't seen from him yet.
2: Well, we, we see that look, from Zeke all the time.
1: Well, just look at the last three games. Tony Pollard, the last three, and this is nothing against Tony Pollard. I think he's got great uh, uh, potential in that role. But but the last three games, I mean, if we're going to get on Zeke for not getting 100-yard games, whatever, the last three games for Pollard, he had four carries for 12 yards against Washington. He had eight carries for 22 against Baltimore, and it was seven for 10 yards until the last play of the game. That was garbage time. That really was garbage time where he gave it to him for a 12-yard run that got him up to eight for 22. And then yeah. in Cincinnati, he was 11 carries for 39 yards. Total that up the last three games, he's got 23 carries for 73 yards. That's just over three yards a carry. So, I mean... But people I don't
0: look at that if, stuff. If they look without, at
2: if we go without if we go without Zeke. I think if we go without Zeke Spags. We're going to have to be way more diverse in how we use our running back in this game. We have to pass it to a more more deceptive plays, more screen passes. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make a habit of running him up the middle and, unless you have those surefire quick hit plays that uh where you can utilize his speed and quickness. See I wanna go one
0: more deep. I want to see Rico Doddle.
1: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I wanna go one more deep. I wanna see Sheawo Alana Lua. I knew it. I knew it. he just wanted to say his name. I knew
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> well you All will the commentators see commentators will just you you will see a fullback in this game, by the way,
1: and, I, and I'll allow you Bill to pronounce side. the guy's name. But Kyle, well, he's a four-time Pro Bowler on the other side, and in fact, he's he's been scoring touchdowns for the Niners here lately uh, with their situation at running back, and that's Kyle Buscheck. And uh, the last four years, he's made the Pro Bowl. Now. Part of that is there's not a lot of teams with fullbacks, and so that fullback yeah. spot there's not a lot of competition for the Pro Bowl fullback spot. But uh, seriously, to his credit, I mean he's he is as, as good as they come at that position, and and play and is more than just a fullback. Obviously, he can carry the ball, he can catch it, and he's you know he doesn't have the height that you would have that you normally see in a tight end. But as a uh, he, he does some tight end type stuff, which they've needed, uh, uh, and I'm talking about blocking. Uh, yeah. they've, they've needed it with Kittle out, you know, and so the second tight ends had to move up and become more of a receiving guy. Uh, Kittle is is back practicing, but he is not expected to be back for this game. Uh, now, Mostert, Raheem Mostert, uh, it's it, uh, according to uh, the Niners, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, it looks like he he felt like he would be good to go by the end of the week. So well, he didn't like we practice yesterday.
0: He didn't practice yesterday.
1: Right. Right
0: right. Mm-hmm. So and we'll he, he see. Had a
1: comment. Yeah. Yeah. McCarthy
0: is McCarthy talked all leg. about McCarthy talked all about the fullback and how he's so versatile. They can use him in three different ways, you know, he blocks obviously, He can hand him the ball as Bill said, they throw the ball to him. Uh, So we'll see how the Cowboys adjust when they come out with a basically running personnel. I
2: have a question. I have a question. I have a question,
0: Spags. Mm -hmm. You are always around. You want me to answer it before you ask it? They'll stay in their nickel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Come
2: on, man! Come on, man! Come on, Spags! Come on, man! You have influence. You are an influencer. You, you have, boy, you're pretty good, by the way. You knew exactly what I was going to ask. We could play Jeopardy, Come on, man. right? Can, 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 right? Come, can we? Can, can we even get a suggestion? And do they have a suggestion box there? That's a good question.
0: Yeah. Well, well I, you I think can't if reach it. I think if we, yeah, we can't get to it. And I think if we asked it, uh, I think if we asked it in a conference call, we would get, well, we can't be giving away a game plan for you, you know?
2: Yeah, they've just been doing it every week and it hadn't worked. I mean, come on, man. You hadn't stopped the run yet. Any other team makes adjustments. And uh, the question has to be posed to either the, the head coach or the DC for, I mean, I don't know. Was were the story true that he's out of here after this?
0: Oh, um, I don't. I've been I think it's almost as if it's a done deal. I think people are playing the odds on that one. They they put that in the headlines as if it I know, was a, a I foregone know, conclusion. Yeah, without any any pure evidence, right? Or at least expressed evidence. Let's put it that way.
2: I'm here. All
1: right, it's break time. We're going to restore our uh, communication with everybody involved, and we will continue with more mix shots in just a moment. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay? Let's play. Cream Soda and- Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Dear, it's
2: 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm,
1: and stop using candles to see at night. It's
2: just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide.
1: Well, candles
2: are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope.
0: Give the gift of the holiday the holidays let's take that take 2 <laughs> Give the gift of the Cowboys this holiday season with a membership to Dallas Cowboys United presented by Globe Life For a limited time get a commemorative established 1960 lapel pin with your fan pack Memberships start at just 20 bucks. Visit dallascowboys.com slash united to join today. Give the
1: gift of the holidays this holiday
0: season.
1: (laughs) I invented a word.
2: Hey, man. (laughs) Only spags, baby! I tell you, I love it. I love
0: it. That's the first time we are live. By the way, we are live, ladies and gentlemen. And I think last <laughs> week, proof. last week I combined uh, Dalton with Bengals, and I think I I, I called them the Dalgills, Dalgills, or something like that.
1: <laughs>
2: the the Dingles, the Dingles. Careful. That's what they
0: are, the
1: Dingles. <laughs> the Dingles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, uh, I did look up uh, the we were talking about the cold temperatures on that day that will go down in infamy or has always gone down in infamy for Everson Walsh, yeah, January 10th, man. 1982. The game in Cincinnati was minus nine degrees and the wind chill was minus 32. The ice bowl, the game time temperature was 13 below zero. So uh, we've got the record on that. However, uh, the wind chill was uh, less than 32. It was uh, 20, 27, I think, at game time. But if you if you talk to anybody who played in that game, the wind chill was was minus 58. So so there. Yeah.
2: How how accurate were those readings
1: back really, then? Really, in
2: 1967.
1: Know. Yeah, I don't know how that works.
2: <laughs> I don't yeah. know if they had the same, you know, instruments or whatever. Yeah. I
0: don't.
1: I don't. I don't <laughs> think Harold Taft had the same. <laughs> <laughs> Finfrock, David <laughs> Finfrock wasn't around then. Which by which yeah, by Finfrock, the way, Fin, go ahead.
0: Yeah, Finfrock could have been around. <laughs> I was going to say, by the way, two. So about right at two weeks after that game on January tenth, nineteen eighty-two, if my memory serves me right, uh, one Bear Bryant passed away. Mm. And I had covered his, Mister what knows. turned out to be his last game, he, uh, uh, Alabama the played, bowl. no, Alabama played, uh, no. Me, uh, they played uh, Illinois in the Liberty Bowl uh, in Memphis, and it was okay. freezing cold. And I remember after the game, there was nowhere for him to do uh, an indoor press conference, so they had him standing on a box outside, and I mean it was cold. And I looked at him and I'm going, golly, he doesn't look good at all. He just was kind of ashen in color, and I thought maybe it was because it was cold. Well, two weeks later, mm-hmm. so it would have been January 25th, I believe, is when he passed away. And I was working in Jackson, Mississippi then, and uh, ended up uh, getting sent to Tuscaloosa to basically cover the the memorial and the funeral um, mm. uh, of, of Bear Bryant, yeah. So I've got a I've got a certificate you know, I got uh, a certificate from the Liberty Bowl that I was at that game and covered it. How about that? Yeah, you got you, you go. got to keep that, Spag.
2: You know, he and well, he and I, Eddie Robinson uh, were really close, and I I don't know if they were they became close just because of you know the dynamics of each of their careers, of course. One was, is a Power 5 uh, school coach and the other is a HBCU. Great. And uh, Coach Robinson had to eventually pass up uh, Bear Bryant. And I think he passed up Bear Bryant here at the Cotton Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Now, that's... that's yeah. uh, you, I'm sure you'll look it up, William. I know you yeah. will. But I think he did pass up uh, Bear Bryant here at the Cotton against Bowl. Against Prairie View? The, uh, against Prairie View, yes, sir. Yeah. The uh, Southwest Airlines Classic. And... Uh, You know, uh, Coach Robinson was the same way, uh, Spags. You know, once they are taken away from what they love, their livelihood, not just what they love, because they both had uh, uh, wives that loved them and took care of them until the day they died. But when you take away your livelihood in that manner at that age, you know, it's not just the weather, right, Spags? It wasn't just how cold it was outside. I think that... uh, I think it was just a um a depletion. Yeah, it's like that, he knew uh, this was, this
0: was the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and the same with coach Robinson. It's you know, these guys give all their lives not just to the school but to the kids. And uh you know, when you when you feel like there's no uh you're not the your usefulness is gone. Uh, at that age, I think they just kind of give up and and that's that was sad but once again, it was a uh, an opportunity to really uh, just celebrate both of those amazing coaches.
1: Along those lines, another legend, uh, Joe Paterno. Uh, is yes. Very similar. He passed away yes. uh, very soon after his last yes. year with Penn State. Uh, and, and Mickey, by the way, uh, uh, Bear Bryant, his last bowl game was the Liberty Bowl. And uh, the year before was the Cotton Bowl. And in fact, that was the first Uh, My first year uh, working at uh, a Lubbock TV station, we came and covered the Cotton Bowl and so I was at and got an opportunity to be at a Bear Bryant press conference. I think I had the courage to ask a question, I don't know. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> but, so that would have been a year before he died. So
0: <laughs> let me tell you, so you know I, it was like on Tuesday or Wednesday of the week they were going to play Ole Miss. And the, the, Tuscaloosa was only like a three-hour drive from Jackson, so we would go to that press conference, right? And he's in, in one of these big lecture halls, so he's on a stage, the seats go up like you're in a theater, and... He would answer all these nice, easy questions from the local people, right? And so I decided that I did the same thing. I said, okay, I got enough nerve. I got to ask this question. So I asked the question. He didn't like it. And all of a sudden, he started answering in the deepest, mumbled, southern drawl you ever heard. And I don't think I understood a word he said. But he answered it, I think, (laughs) right? But he didn't want to answer it. That's... (laughs) That's the
2: way Southerners answer questions that they don't want to answer. <laughs> that all of a sudden you get real thick, you know what I mean? It's like a foreigner when they really don't want to answer a question. All of a sudden, that accent kind of works its way in there, and you're like, "Wait a minute, what just happened to the guy I was talking to?" So yeah, it's funny, Bill. You bring up uh, Joe Pa as well. He and Coach Robinson, if I'm not mistaken, they are one and two, mm-hmm. respectively, in. Uh, uh, win in the win column as far as uh, college games
1: are concerned. Am I correct? Yeah. I, th- I think you probably probably are all right. I for a minute, for a minute,
2: up, but... Coach Robinson had it, and then when Joe Paul passed on, they added the other two that they had tried to take away from him, and boom, jumped him right back up to the top. So you got the one-two right there, Eddie, uh, Joe Paul and Eddie Robb.
0: Hey, here's one other uh, 49ers note that we probably should I'll draw you back into actual Cowboys, at 49ers, right? It sounds like Shanahan's going to stick <laughs> with cares? Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins as the quarterback. And so I kind of looked up his stats, and you know his quarterback rating, 85.7. That's not all that great. He's got 10 touchdown passes and 10 interceptions. That ain't the way the ratio is supposed to break, right? It's supposed to be two touchdowns to every one interception. Uh, (laughs) And San Francisco, by the way, in their last seven games, I think I mentioned yesterday they've had at least two turnovers a game in those seven. They've had 18 turnovers in the last seven games. And they're now, for the season, a minus seven So the Cowboys are only three behind them at minus 10. They're gaining. Wow. How about that? So that secondary becomes even more important. We might get some picks. You never know.
1: (laughs) Never know. (laughs) And I think that may be one of my predictions for tomorrow is that the Cowboys will uh, even things up in the uh, turnover ratio with the 49ers. I I have a good feeling about this. In fact... You know, I I said that I was look up on those. We we talked about tiebreakers, and uh, I did the math on it. And sure enough, Mickey, uh, here's what the Cowboys need to make the playoffs. They need to win three in Washington. Needs to lose three. <laughs> yeah. You didn't like how the common
0: games were looking for a tiebreaker, right? That's
1: it. That's yeah, it. If, if, the, the, the problem for the Cowboys, if they now if they just had the conference record ahead of the common opponents on the tiebreaker breakdown, then the Cowboys uh, would be in business where Washington would only have to win two out of their last three, and the Cowboys would have a shot in a three-way tie with the Giants and Washington, but not with common opponents because the Cowboys – they ain't looking good in that common opponent uh, yeah. category. I kind of figured that in, in Washington. And which, they're by the way, the Cowboys. When I said opponents. they're the plus-minus
0: is a minus ten now, they've actually moved up. They're now t- in a four-way tie for twenty-ninth.
1: <laughs>
0: mm, oh wow! Up.
2: Yeah. See, we're Sweet. finishing on a the good note. The timing.
0: The timing.
2: The timing is perfect now. That's right. We will start. You, we're building up to a crescendo there, right? We're trying to just build it on up there. Moving on up. And so,
1: <laughs> to the east side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the NFC east side. <laughs> so this week, this week, Cowboys beat the Niners, and we're, we're just going to take this one week at a time, okay? Cowboys beat the Niners, and Seattle beats Washington, okay? That's my, I'll give you that early prediction. And then next week, we'll be concerned with Cowboys – taking on Philadelphia, and Washington has Carolina next week. Now, that's a little mm. – I don't know about that one. Yeah, well, but tough. at least
2: I could yeah. – are, are they in Carolina?
0: You would ask me that. I've got that written down <laughs> somewhere, but I'm not sure where. But you know what? If they, if, they yeah. beat, if they beat the Niners, then I'm eligible to pick them to beat Philadelphia. Hey, oh, that's right. there you go. There you that's go. Right. Or maybe yeah. I should just keep so picking them to, to lose, right? Because they've played better when I've picked them to lose. Not true. Didn't necessarily that's not translated totally true. into wins. Not totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go with that one.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for a Thursday edition of Mix Shots, and uh, we've got a big Friday ahead. Our picks to click. I've already given you a preview of mine. We'll see you again tomorrow here on Mix Shots. Go Dallas Cowboys. There you go.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about this, Cowboys?